all movements to create social good and social change know that we need people in mass to lead. And we need people to lead differently. Why? Because the old ways of leading, the old ways of doing equity and inclusion work, they are not going to get us any new results. They're just going to get us the same thing that we've always had. People want to help people. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that truth. People who do DEI work have seen a lot of things. They've tested a lot of things and they've learned a lot. That is invaluable. You're listening to A Recipe for Transformation with Krista Wilson, a podcast that helps build unique recipes to translate dignity and caring into equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist behaviors in the workplace, helping you transform them into ones that create an environment that fosters dignity, humanity, and respect for all your employees. Because leading transformations that stick require more than just knowing the words. It's about understanding why we are doing what we do and putting people first. I grew up gardening. And so it's not uncommon for me to have a gardening metaphor or a cooking metaphor for that matter in any of my coaching and consulting engagements. So it was for that reason that I was surprised that my client used a kind of gardening metaphor on me. The client said to me, you know, Krista, you are like a Johnny Appleseed of DEI and organizational consulting. You're just out here cross-pollinating. And I had to sit with that for a second before I asked her to explain. And what she said then made a lot of sense. If you know anything about gardens, you know that, well, pollinators like a bee, they will go from one plant to another They will take that pollen and they will take it to the next plant and allow that plant to then develop either a flower or a fruit. And like that, as a consultant of this Johnny Appleseed, that is like the metaphor, you know, spreading seeds from here to there or like a bee cross-pollinating across a garden. She said that what I do is I work with one organization. I use those lessons learned, the best practices of whatever we did together. And then I'm able to take that to my next client and so forth and so on until at the end of the year, the next year, I've been able to cross-pollinate dozens of organizations with the same best practices and lessons learned so that they can learn from each other. And it's so true. And what I also know to be true is it would be so powerful for those organizations to be able to learn from each other. So as opposed to there being me as the cross-pollinator, so to speak, that they could pollinate each other in a peer learning and peer sharing kind of experience. I can say from a firsthand experience that I know how powerful it is to be a part of a learning community where there's an opportunity for both the coaching and the training and the tools, but also for there to be a peer exchange opportunity. So let me explain a little bit about what I mean from my own experience. 
So in 2017, I was about nine years into my own consulting business, and I could sense that trainings were great. I've gone to a place, you get trained in a particular topic, and then you leave. And there wasn't much opportunity for the peer learning, the peer exchanges. And so in 2017, I was accepted into a sort of learning community slash masterclass with Robert Gass called The Art of Transformational Consulting. And so I went to that. It was about a seven or so day period of these like really incredible, maybe 10 or 11 hour days. And in this process, we both got trained and coached by Robert. We had access to his tools and templates and best practices. And we were able to share our individual experiences and practices and challenges and lessons learned with each other. And so you had maybe 27 other consultants from across the country who were doing very similar work to me. And we were able to share everything that we, maybe not everything, but a lot of what we have learned over the course of our practices. It was incredible. And I learned more in that week that I think I could have learned from just going to a training on its own or just getting coached by someone or even maybe hiring a consultant to help me on a one-off project. There's something magical that happens in a learning community where there's the combination of tools, templates, training, coaching, and peers coming together. Similarly, a few years later in 2020, I had the opportunity to study with the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Resma Minicum. And in his practice, which is somatic abolitionism and somatics itself, it was the idea of looking at anti-racism, looking at it through the lens of embodiment and how it shows up in the body, how trauma shows up in the body. And this is an important area of work that I had wanted to learn more about, but there's only so much you can do from reading. It's, again, that combination of studying with a teacher, learning, having access to tools and templates, and then being in a community of practice with other people who are doing similar work to bounce ideas off of each other. Similarly, with my work in 2021, I was able to participate in a very similar community led by Norma Wong. It was called The Art of Waging Peace and Collective Acceleration. And then this opportunity, same thing, learning with peers, access to tools and templates and readings, and then coaching from our teacher. And that 16-week period was amazing. And there was so much more we wanted to learn that there ended up being pop-up opportunities throughout the year and a desire for many of us, how can we make this more consistent? And so pods popped up to create learning spaces for those of us who needed them. And many of us had our own communities of practice with each other. I would say that I think these kinds of hybrid learning communities of where there's a trainer or a coach or a teacher, plus tools and templates, plus peer communities exist. And they're so powerful because we know that they work. We know that they help shift practice and they help lead lasting change. And I say we know this because I've been leading these groups literally since 2008. I remember back in, gosh, decade ago, I supported this with the County of Los Angeles. 
I know that with Cause Communications and the Dwight Stewart Youth Fund, we've supported, man, maybe a hundred nonprofit organizations to help them build their capacities around communications and doing their work in an intentional way. I know with Liberty Hill Foundation and their Ready to Rise program, we were able to have a coaching and training program in the similar way where there was coaching and training and peer learning all looped together. So why do we do these kinds of programs? When it's pretty intensive, you could easily just have a training program that was a one-off training. People come and then they leave. We do this because we know that our learning as adult learners, it's enhanced when we can both learn from experts, we can learn from our peers, and we can get resources because it basically collapses time. It gets us to our goal more quickly. And in these learning communities, there's a potential for us to build relationships and share resources and tools that can help each individual member enhance their practice, be more impactful, both in their organization and also make an impact across their industry or across their sector. But here's also what I know. It's great to be called a pollinator, you know, by my client. But one of me isn't enough to help impact DEI and social change. We need millions of us cross-pollinators. It's why I created this podcast that hopefully those of you who listen get ideas and you're able to create transformation inside of your workplaces and communities. And part of why I created the DEI Dinner Party, this membership community, is to help support at least 2,000 leaders who can come and build the skills, get the tools and templates, and build their personal peer network to be able to create transformative diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts inside of their workplaces and do it in a way that's not performative, but actually has measurable outcomes to lead real lasting change. I'll tell you that throughout my career, in every role that I've had, the one thing that has connected every role, every role that I've ever had, was connecting people and convening people so that they could build their skills and with these new enhanced skills, work together toward a greater cause. And that was whether I was a community organizer, what we called a community capacity builder, director of community engagement, a trainer. I mean, and as a trainer, I've personally trained easily over 10,000 people over the years. And this is also in my role as a head coach for maybe a dozen learning communities that have been hosted by a variety of foundations, companies, or government agencies. And the reason that we do these learning communities, these kinds of large convenings where we bring people together, is that all movements, to create social good and social change know that we need people in mass to lead and we need people to lead differently. Why? Because the old ways of leading, the old ways of doing equity and inclusion work, they are not going to get us any new results. They're just going to get us the same thing that we've always had. And anyone who's doing diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, belonging, work, whatever your acronyms are, 
anyone doing this work from any level that you are at at your organization, you have to pull from a variety of different tools. You need to know what are systems of oppression and discrimination and how are they showing up in your organization. You need to understand social identities and rank. And how is DEI as a practice set up to protect those who have been historically marginalized? You need facilitation skills and training skills. And at the very least, you have to understand what training can and cannot do if you hire a trainer. You need to have conflict navigation skills. How do you de-escalate even? How do you navigate when a conflict might occur? We have to have excellent emotional intelligence. And there's five domains of emotional intelligence, by the way. We have to be able to be really, really good at our own emotional management and empathy and the three others. We need to understand that diversity, equity, and inclusion is connected to organizational change management that has a long history in the business sector and is connected to organizational development. And that will help us understand how to make programs and real changes that will actually last. And this is also connected to changing policies and culture and behavior. And we have to do all of that while managing the fact that we have a job and that there are real politics around that. And as you do this work, you may experience resistance. People who may not understand why you're doing it may try to obstruct it. So how do you navigate that? And there may be misunderstanding about what DEI is. For some folks, they see DEI as a threat. And so there's education we have to do around this. And so much data shows that many of us who are doing diversity, equity, and inclusion have a social identity that is often a target of microaggressions and identity-based harm. So as you're doing this work, you may also need support to help you as you are a recipient of a microaggression. And you may have to intervene while you witness a microaggression happen to others. So this is all of the tools that you have to build. So the question is, where's the one-stop shop that you go to get support, to build the skills, to get the coaching, to help you do all of these things while concurrently designing and implement your organization's DEI strategy? I'll tell you, for me to be able to do all these things, I had to get trained by maybe 12 or 15, somewhere around there, different organizations. I went back and got a master's in public policy to understand analysis and, and outcomes-based planning. I became an International Coaching Federation certified coach. I got trained in nonviolent communications and conflict navigation. I got coach, I mentioned by Robert Gass, and seven different facilitation methodologies, including how to facilitate through racial conflict. And it required me to piecemeal my skills together so I could be the best consultant and coach to lead these kinds of transformations that stick. And many of the trainings that I went through don't even exist anymore. And there's a lot more noise to sift through than ever before. So I really wanted to create one place 
where my clients could come for support. And more importantly, I wanted to make it accessible. Here's what I also know to be true. Every single learning community that I was hired to design and lead was from another entity that hired me to do it. And then their grantees or their staff were able to come into it. So the participants didn't have to pay the five or six figures required to engage my firm. So that's a wonderful gift that was provided to those participants. What it meant, though, was after the engagement ended, the participants didn't have the budget to then continue working with me. And so for years, I've tried to figure out, you know, what might be like a four-figure offer I could create that could be spread out over a year, making it less than a few hundred dollars a month that could provide folks with DEI training, coaching, and mentorship, plus access to a network of peers to help build that laundry list of skills I just mentioned. And I'll have to tell you, it actually took me joining another learning community in 2021, 2022 to help me figure out the mechanics, even the technology of how to bring people together virtually in this post-COVID world. And that, in fact, is how the DEI dinner party was formed. It was learning about how to bring all the resources in a virtual place, how to do the virtual trainings and coaching, and how to bring together peers so that they could network and didn't need me to convene them. And I'll say that it's been amazing to see it all unfold since the DEI dinner party has opened. I will say it's been a real gift to watch it just be and to watch members interact and consume the content and share their own expertise with each other. I'll also say that it's made it clear that people need support so that they can do what's required to do DEI well and to help them build their own organizational committee of change. Do you feel like you're getting some amazing pearls of wisdom on this episode? At Wilson & Associates, our mission is to help folks like you promote dignity and care at work to transform workplaces into ones that are equitable, inclusive, and anti-racist. We believe that it's more than knowing the catchphrases. This transformation requires understanding why we are doing what we do, doing it with integrity, and centering our humanity and joy along the way. This podcast is just one of the many ways we feed our mission. At Wilson & Associates, we help our partners create fun, supportive, and innovative spaces where our collective humanity is nurtured, our imagination is sparked, and we co-create recipes for advancing racial justice and equity. We know there's a well of information on DEI out there, and it can be a little overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. The simplicity lies in creating your own recipe for transformation. We aim to put humanity and dignity back into DEI and our workplaces so that we can create environments where each of us can thrive. So head over to our website at wilson-and-associates.com to find out more about how we can help you and your organization. You can take our self-assessment 
that can help you explore the different dimensions of DEI in your own organization and determine the best starting point to find your own recipe for transformation at DEIdiagnostic.com. You can find all our links in the show notes. And let's transform the face of DEI into the face of dignity together. So here's what I know. On this podcast, since I started it, I have told folks that we need to have, you know, clarity about what drives us to do DEI. I've told us that we need to develop DEI for the people who have been most negatively impacted. I have said we need to develop DEI clarity and we need to have a DEI diagnostic that will help us create a reality check of what's actually happening inside of our organization. I told people, you've got to see yourself as a DEI champion and do not just wait for somebody else to be the change that we need. You're the change that we need and you can help usher in more change. I told us that we need to rest more and listen to our bodies. And I also have said that it takes time to build new skills and we need a space to do that. Building skills takes time. We have to have space to reinforce it, to practice, to get feedback. And I've read that it takes anywhere from, you know, four to six months to master a new skill. We need feedback and a mentor. And some resources that I've read say that having a network of peers and support can help accelerate that skills mastery as well. And this is precisely why I've created the DEI Dinner Party. This is what I'm hoping that we can accomplish together. There's room for members to name their needs. So whatever we're trying to build, the skills we need to build, we can have a pop-up topic too. But there's something else special as well about the DEI dinner party that I had experienced in a learning community before, but I didn't have the language until I recently went on Instagram Live with my friend, my mentor and teacher, Dr. Julia Colangelo, who's an international expert on the concept of flow and flow states. So in this recent Facebook Live, she told me that why learning communities like the DEI Dinner Party are so powerful is that when we come together, we activate what's called a collective flow state. Now, I listened to that conversation and it sparked so much in me that I came back and started to do some research on collective flow states as well. And the idea, first, if you don't know what a flow state is, if you've ever been doing something that you are just naturally good at, it's your area where you have lost yourself because you're so good at it. They call this our zone of genius sometimes. And when we're in a group and we're harnessing the genius of this group, we can activate this collective flow state. Now, something that's been interesting to me as I've been reading about these collective flow states is that if you can imagine in the DEA dinner party, we're on these calls together. We're learning about how to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion. Perhaps we're talking about a new tool or a concept or a strategy. And all of a sudden, maybe we've lost track of time or someone has offered an insight that's so powerful, 
We're building upon each other. Another idea is built upon the other and so forth and so on. And we're engaged now in this collective work of DEI together. This is a collective flow state and it can be activated when we're together. But I want to highlight why is it so powerful for us as leaders to be in a collective flow state? Because I don't want to just say it and then it's just a thing that was said on a podcast. This is why it matters and why it's been so powerful for every single learning community that I have supported, why they have spoken to the incredible impact these communities have had on their work. When we are in a learning community where this collective flow state is activated, our awareness is heightened and our ability to move into action is accelerated. Our ability to make connections to things, to concepts bigger than ourselves is now possible. Our mental and physical performance goes through the roof. And I was reading with the Flow Research Collective, it says that all of this is possible and being in this flow state is associated with a healthy sense of well-being and increased happiness. And what I've come to learn about what can get a learning community into these like feel good, oh my gosh, aha moments is that for a brief moment, participants are almost pulled out of the DEI challenges from the day-to-day of their organizations as they learn and listen to each other. Their minds are taken off of their own problems long enough where they can enter the release stage of a flow cycle. Their stress hormones are released and people feel good. And I've heard this from countless other groups before. Like, for example, I was working with the racial equity learning group that we co-created last year with the National Skills Coalition with co-coach Liz. And Liz and I saw people get energized. They were amplified in these learning sessions, brainstorming ideas where they had been stuck just moments before the flow state was activated. And they were energized and activated, even though Liz and I knew in their daily work They were maybe burnt out and under stress. But in this space, it was a 180. They were happy. They were generating ideas. They were innovating. And they were supporting each other. And I think this is why participants called for more frequent gatherings. Why they appreciated the pop-up coaching and office hours that were so popular, in fact, I've now woven them into the core program structure of the DEI dinner party. So let's talk about it. What does the DEI dinner party look like and what happens? So in the DEI dinner party, in addition to the flow state that I'll tell you happens, here's how it happens. So one community member in the party, she mentioned that in her day-to-day work, there was a challenge. The demographic representation of some program leads had skewed the demographic composition of a program. And it was raising some concern amongst staff and participants. And there were some other dynamics that made it hard to navigate. So this DEI gender party member brought their concern into one of our live sessions because they were concerned how to raise this issue. It had real diversity challenge on it, maybe some equity issues. And they felt like maybe there might be some conflict that could occur. 
So in our first Tuesday's hot seat coaching session, where participants are able to bring a real life DEI issue that they're facing and get support, I was able to help this person learn some strategies for how they can communicate in ways where their team members won't get defensive and they can really hear the heart of an issue and then co-create goals together and also collaborate around some solutions to their representation issues. Another time in the DEA dinner party, beyond the coaching in real-time DEI challenges that we solve, we're also building skills. So on the second and third Tuesdays, we're doing either the learning and discovery sessions or strategy sessions. In these days, members are taught concepts and techniques that can help them understand, design, or facilitate DEI efforts inside of their organizations. So in one of the sessions that we had, participants learned about our company's copyrighted wheel of marginalized and advantaged identities. And with this tool that our members have the access to use inside of their organizations, our members were able to explore which social identity experiences bias, discrimination, and prejudice, and which ones often don't. And in the strategy session, we discussed how the wheel can be a mechanism for members to then design DEI efforts so that people like trans folks, non-binary folks, disabled people, plus size or fat people aren't excluded because currently they often are excluded from our DEI work. One member shared that this tool can be helpful to help their staff understand who DEI is for and how to make it exceptionally inclusive. Another member shared that they've never seen a tool like this that can help them really map identities and structural disadvantages and advantages. Anything like this can help them have great conversations. It's a tool like this that I say helps us collapse time because that member could have researched, could have Googled, could have maybe made something, but certainly not in the five minutes it would have taken to go to the portal and downloaded the tool. That's what we try to do here in the membership. We want to give people tools, also explain it to them so that they can just use it easily in their own organizations to help advance DEI. This is what I wanted to provide to people. Anybody who is leading DEI inside of their organizations, I wanted to provide access, coaching, and tested tools. And I wanted people to be able to have a space to ask questions that would help them implement this work too. There's also something beautiful that I'm seeing in the DEI dinner party that I've seen in every single learning community that I have ever designed and developed, and it is peer support. People want to help people. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that truth. People who do DEI work have seen a lot of things. They've tested a lot of things and they've learned a lot. That is invaluable. And so in the membership, I've seen people who raise challenges and they've asked me for support. And I've seen other members say, actually, I have experienced that and here's what worked for me. And again, I'm a consultant, I'm a coach, I've tried and seen a lot of things with clients. 
And it's different when you are an employee who's been the one that's implemented it. And so it's the power of having a coach, a consultant, and a peer together who can offer you resources, tools, and best practices. I think that's the power of the DEI dinner party. It's that together that can make you exceptionally successful. It's supportive comments in the chat. It's resource sharing. It's recommendations and ideas. And it's the truth that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. And there's so much that we can learn from each other. And the fact is that there are people who are going to be at various stages of their DEI journey. So someone who's just starting can learn from someone who's just one step ahead or 10 steps ahead. And also someone who's one year into their journey can learn from someone who's just beginning. So the learning is for everyone. So here's the thing. The DEI Dinner Party is a membership. It's a membership-based learning program for employees inside of an organization who are working on diversity, equity, and inclusion. But at its heart, it's about collective action. It's about a group of people working together, supporting each other, learning together to build something bigger together. My vision is that we're creating a movement of outcomes-focused leaders who care and we're trying to shift the cultures and structures of our organizations to see real changes, to create diversity impact, equity, and inclusion. This is what the DEI Dinner Party is. And so I invite everyone who this calls to, to join this movement of leaders who are working together to create equitable and inclusive places where people are thriving. If you want a community that's a place to connect with peers and learn from experts, to get coaching and access and resources to promote DEI in your organization, if you want original content and trainings and virtual events, coaching, joy sessions, I'm, I'm really trying to build out some joy sessions, if the DEI Dinner Party sounds like it's for you, any of our podcast listeners can use the coupon code podcast and get $200 off of a membership. We are saving a seat at the table just for you. Creating unique recipes for how people can experience dignity and also thrive at work is a mission that involves and requires all of us. If you felt moved to take action through this episode, I hope you'll subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast with the people that you know are gonna benefit from it. The more dignity and respect that we can build into the workplace, the more we can create the kinds of environments that foster and celebrate our humanity. In this episode, we spoke a little about my new membership, the DEI Dinner Party. The DEI Dinner Party is for people who are leading diversity, equity, inclusion, well-being, and culture change inside of their organizations. It's for people who are looking for support, strategies, tools, and resources to help them be successful as they work toward building workplaces where people can thrive. By joining this membership community, you'll be enabled to build the skills to lead, 
to sustain your DEI efforts, to save money on DEI trainings and initiatives by getting exactly what you need all in one place, and that conserves energy. And you're gonna have access to a joy-centered community of peers that can assist you in your DEI goals. To find out more, go to recipefortransformation.com slash DEI dinner party. The link is also available in our show notes. Here's the thing, you can't sustain DEI in your organization if you aren't sustained. And the best way to do that is by building communities and places where you are supported and not alone. So I want you to join me and join the DEI dinner party and a community of leaders just like you to amplify your leadership and join forces to change the world.